0: pray together. Our Father and our God, I trust that that is our prayer today, our commitment to you, that all we have is Christ. All we need is Christ. You are sufficient for all things. Lord, we love you. We are grateful to be assembled t- together today. We're thankful for your grace to us. Father, I pray that this message of the gospel will go out through all the world as you have stated in your word. And I think about tomorrow and the billions of people who will listen to a funeral service, a Christian funeral service, Lord God, would you be pleased to use the man who will deliver your word to bring clarity to the gospel, and that you might use the life of Her Majesty, the Queen, who served you all her days her gospel, the one she believed in because it's your good news, I pray, oh God, that many would come to faith. Many would turn to Jesus Christ. It'd be a great turning to Christ tomorrow. There would be a turning to Christ today for today is the day of salvation. So we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior who has delivered to us the good news of salvation through Christ. It's in his name we're praying. Amen. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your... Lord and Savior, you have been delivered from the worst possible outcome of life. Has that that realization gripped your heart? If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you absolutely have been delivered from the worst possible outcome of life. And that is eternity in hell, damnation, separation from God forever. It's an amazing salvation that we have been granted. The Apostle Paul, in the letters that he has written, and well, if you have your Bibles, and I know you do, turn to, to the book of Colossians. And while I'm uh, introducing this text, Colossians chapter one, verse nine and following, Paul writes letters to brand new churches that, in many cases, deliver to us truths that we're entirely familiar with, having been, many of us, veteran Christians. But he delivers things, ideas, truth that we may have sort of taken for granted over all these years of knowing Christ. And, And when you dig back into them and you look at them all over again and you read the same thing you've read many, many times, suddenly it hits you and it is Paul's intention in what we're looking at today to really key in on rescue, the great gospel escape, and what that has delivered to us. And in verse 13 and 14, or, or 12 and 13 and 14, but in particular there, it, it, it it leapt out at me all over again with, a, with a, a resounding joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has lifted us from the the realm of darkness, from the realm of disappointment, from the realm of destruction, self-destruction, from the realm of damnation, from the realm of sin's domination, and lifted us into the kingdom of the son he loves. God has lifted us into this kingdom of the son he loves to be in that kingdom with him that's rescue and and that's what we have and that's how the case is now built this morning on how you ought to live in light of that when you recognize that if you get it it will radically transform your life and how you live and that's what we're looking at this morning have you ever been rescued from a really bad situation When um, between grade 12 and grade 13 a friend of mine and myself thought it would be a good idea to backpack across Europe for eight weeks. And so um, the summit series had just been completed the year before and Canada was on top of the hockey world and I put a great big Canadian flag on a backpack and did my European victory tour. Hey, look at us. Nobody in Europe cared. Anyway, so we backpacked all over Europe, and at 17, I would never really been away from home, but at the time eight weeks was done, I was tired of bratwurst, tomatoes, and a little bit of bread. And I needed to get home for some of my mother's cooking. When we arrived back at the airport in Ostend, Belgium, we were greeted with the ticket-taker at the airport who said to us, sorry, you won't be going back to Toronto. The airline has gone bankrupt. Now, I don't know if you remember back in the early 70s, but money wasn't flying around, at least it wasn't flying around in my family. I'd, I'd saved all that I had cleaning toilets in factories To take this trip to Europe. Now many people may have been able to just buy another ticket on another airline. And go back to Toronto. But I couldn't do that. And I I wasn't the kind of person who expected my parents to take care of that either. This was my thing. And so my heart sunk. Now for anybody who's from Belgium or whatever. Don't take it personally. But I couldn't stand being in Belgium. I wanted to get out of there as fast as I could. So... um, didn't know what to do, so uh, we kind of occupied the airport for a few days. A few guys who were in the same situation as, as I was and my friend. And, and then we, um, we, we kept bothering the airline so much, Palm Air. I'll mention that. I don't think it exists anymore. Kept bothering the residual staff that were still there. So, um, finally, they relented and said, well, there is one more plane going to North America. That's it, And, and then this thing is done. They said, where? Dallas. I said, I don't care where it's going. If it gets me on the continent, I can get home. I can't swim this ocean, but I can get home from Dallas. They said, well, and it has a gas stop at Bangor, Maine. Now, you're not supposed to get off, but we're just telling you, you're not supposed to get off. But Bangor, Maine might be closer to Toronto than Dallas. Only one problem, we were staying in a $2 hostel, $2 a night hostel, and it was locked up during the day, so you had to be out, so my pack, but they said, you've got to get back here in a couple of hours, because this plane is leaving. My backpack, my friend's pack was locked in a hostel, there's no way to get in. So I ran back to the hostel, praying all the way, Lord, get me out of Belgium, rescue me from Belgium, please, desperation, urgent prayer and I gotta find my friend because I don't know where he is either. So I ran back to the the hostel thinking it's gonna be locked but when I got there, as I got near, I saw the gates were wide open and I ran into the hostel, nobody was there. I picked up my bag, my my, my friend's pack and I thought now all I gotta do is find him. And I ran down to the beach and there he was enjoying a soccer game while I was trying to get us home. Anyway, we got our packs. We ran back to the airport. We got to the airport. They wrote us up a ticket. Got, as we were going to the ticket taker, I, I looked in, in horror and noticed that the, it was an expired ticket, that this is not going to work. But so in disarray was this company that they took the ticket. Oh, yeah, get on the plane. And so we got on the plane. We begged them at Bangor, Maine, because it was in those days just a tarmac, let us off the air airline, we got to go to the bathroom, let us go, and we took off, took our packs, and never got back on the plane. Four of us rented a car. We were too young to rent a car, so we got a couple of older guys to rent a car. The only problem is, they were going to Buffalo, we were going to Guelph, it was a stick shift, and those two guys couldn't drive a stick shift. (laughs) I could drive a stick shift, but I was too young to rent the car. Won't talk about how we worked that out. They dropped us off at the 401 and Highway 6 and they went on to Buffalo. We hitchhiked into Guelph, gave them some money, hitchhiked into Guelph, and I arrived in Guelph with one American dollar. Such is the rescue of God. Now I can tell you, I didn't want to go back anytime soon. What I find incredibly disturbing is the rescue that we have received by the Lord Jesus Christ from the kingdom of darkness and sin and slavery to sin and how flirtatious we as Christians are with the things of darkness. Placing ourselves close, in proximity to the things that Jesus has rescued us from. A rescue is supposed to be I don't want to go back there. I'm not going back there. And that's what Paul is talking to us about here. Do you know what you've been rescued from uh, on this great salvation? So let's look this morning in our Bibles at what Paul has to say to us about how we ought to conduct ourselves in light of this. Because our salvation, beloved, is a rescue operation. Paul writes this in... Verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Now, here's how. Bearing fruit in every good work. "...growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints." in the kingdom of light for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of our sins for this reason what reason the gospel has come to you the good news has come to you what a favored thing. What an awesome thing it is for us. You know, think about it, you. Think about, I think about it myself. What, a, what an incredible act of the grace of God because of anything I did or anything I was or because of anything I would ever be or because of the family I came from or anything like that. But just out of the gracious love of God, he saved me. And it requires the utmost and prayerful and practical attention. That's, that's the teaching of Paul here. He's praying here. Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God, who has rescued you, to keep you, to grow you, to, to make you resistant to sin or turning back to the darkness. That's what this is all about. it deserves this salvation deserves it just makes sense we need it out of a very dark place and God has rescued us out of that place and places in his wonderful light the rest of the world lives in Narnia as CS Lewis puts it always winter and never Christmas So, I have three things I want to point out to you this morning. The first is this it's found in the first prayer that he states asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. To pray for each other and for yourselves. That God will keep filling you with the knowledge of his will and confidence that God's will is the pinnacle of wisdom and understanding for your home and your life. That's the prayer. I know it's a big, big sentence. But that's the prayer. In fact, my sentence is bigger than Paul's prayer about this thing. But I, I want you to see what Paul is really digging around at here, that God's people might have confidence in God's will. That you might have confidence in the wisdom of God and that your understanding might be sourced in the wisdom of God. You say, well, yeah, obviously. Well, it's not happening. I was digging around in Pew Research this week about the crisis in current Christianity, I don't know, maybe may you, you, know, you go on and do your job and you do your profession, your thing, but my profession is staring at the state of Christianity. And, and it's not good. It's, it's not good at all. In fact, some of these numbers may be staggering to you. Recent studies, 1972, 90% of the U.S. proclaimed to be Christian in 1972. In 2007, that number slipped to 78 percent. By 2020, it has slipped to 64 percent. The prognosticators are predicting that by 2070, Christianity in the United States will be a minority, it will be 40 percent. From 90 percent to 40 percent in 100 years it might be worse now that's US stats Canadian stats are off the chart worse nobody seems to pay much attention to doing many stats about us but here's what concerns me the most in light of the text that we're dealing with today presently 33 percent of kids raised in Christian homes disaffiliate from Christianity before the age of 30. Okay? In the context of a people rescued from the dominion of darkness with great thanksgiving and gratitude to the Lord and living their lives with a passion for Christ are losing their kids to the tune of one-third... I would submit to you that we're not following what Christ has laid out for us in this text. If we were, these numbers would not be like this. In fact, the statement that really shook me that came out of this Pew Research was this. There is no demographic data to project a Christian revival in America. There there is nothing. As we look at the landscape of the demographic on its way up, there is no data to project a Christian revival in North America. The fastest growth group in America is the nuns. I'm not talking about Catholics. Nuns, people who have no religious affiliation. That's the fastest growing. Religious group. No religious affiliation. And and I would tell you I, I would submit to you that the reason that I think this is happening, and you can check your own heart and your own home and what you're doing, is because we are not convinced of the sufficiency and supremacy of Jesus Christ. We claim to know him as our savior, but we don't know him as our sufficient and supreme Lord. The Lord of our homes, the Lord of our lives, the Lord of everything. Where where his wisdom and his understanding are supreme in the way we navigate life. That our first instinct is not to go to Jesus. Our first instinct is to go to a psychiatrist or go to a bank account or go to some stimulant or to go to some self-help book. And if all else fails, we may make a trip in to see the pastor or we may open up our Bibles because we are not by first instinct convinced of the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. And our children are noticing it. That's why we're hemorrhaging faith, to use another person's phrase. I I love what David Garland said in his commentary in Colossians. He said this of this particular text, Wisdom that excludes Christ or makes him subordinate is counterfeit. This is what Paul's calling us to. This is what Paul's praying when he says, I pray that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That God's will would direct our lives, that we would understand his will and his wisdom How are you modeling, how am I modeling the sufficiency and supremacy of spiritual wisdom from Christ to my family? We're telling them, I'm afraid, come to church... Crack our Bibles open once in a while. I, I really feel and then and then the rest of the time we're like, how are we gonna get out of this how are we gonna get out of this problem? Well what, what's the solution? We're li- relying on ourselves. I'm afraid we're telling our children, there's nothing to see here. Not nothing to see here. Loved, ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will for every situation that pops up in your life, first. First, take your kids there. Kids, what what does God have to say about this? How will God help us in this situation? How has God helped the saints of the past? How has God helped the characters of the scripture in a situation just like this one? The psalmist, perhaps David. I'm going to say David in Psalm 1. The king blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked how must god feel that we first uh, trottle off to somebody who doesn't know jesus for advice and we direct our family to do that get on the phone look for some secular help first Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the what? The law of the Lord, the will of God. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water. And you know this psalm. Why? Why is this critical? Verse 10. We pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way. Why? Because this confidence we have in the sufficiency of Christ and the sufficiency and supremacy of the Word of God is a confidence that will enable us to live worthy lives pleasing God. Lives worthy of the cost of your rescue saints called out to belong to Jesus living to please him as a priority beloved intelligent living godly living spiritual wisdom living with spiritual wisdom requires this that we must distance ourselves every day from the dominion of darkness. We must intentionally put distance between ourselves, our family, and the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness. This is on you and on me. I pray that you might live a life worthy. This is on you, that you may please him. This is on me, this is on you. and get as close as we can to the kingdom of the son he loves and bring ourselves there. Otherwise, we will get singed by the heat of hell. We've been with social media so transparent about our lives. At times, it's Utterly disturbing. To see how close we want to be to the kingdom of this world. So the why is that we might have confidence to live a life that pleases the Lord, worthy of the rescue we have received. But what's the how? Here it is, four quick things. Bearing. Fruit, number one, bearing fruit. How? In every good work. I want to bear fruit, Lord. I want to bear fruit, but I don't know how to bear fruit. How do I bear fruit? He tells us here, very simply, in every good work. Don't just sit there, in other words, do something. That's what this is about. Don't sit there, look alive. Produce deeds in keeping with repentance. You've turned. God has rescued you from the kingdom of darkness. Now turn away from it. Live a life producing works in keeping with the fact that you've turned away from the kingdom of darkness. And you are immersing yourself into the kingdom of his marvelous light. Bear fruit in every good work. Everything you are doing needs to be a good work. Not a bad one, not an evil one. If you're engaging in evil things, if you're engaging in sin, you are not bearing fruit. And what happens when I'm bearing fruit is I'm giving evidence, I'm bearing evidence of the salvation that I claim to have. One writer noted that we have become a generation of habitual watchers. Ever since the TV generation started, we just watch stuff. That's what we do. And now and now we we have social media with us in our pocket all the time. It's like you got a TV in your pocket. I could only dream of that when I was a kid. It's like seriously? There's gonna be a day when you have a TV in your pocket? So we're just watching all the time, watching, watching. We don't get off the couch to do any good deeds. Got a bunch of people on dating sites, fill their days with window shopping, but never take anybody on a date. They're called dating sites. Not watching people. And we've carried this into Christianity. Lots of watchers. We're called to bear fruit in every good work. And we have laid out for you here, the leadership of Calvary have laid out for you a healthy weekly schedule uh, to enable you to bear fruit. Are one one one. One worship gathering, one growth initiative like a discipling community, and one service to the Lord. It's a healthy diet. So if you want to have confidence and live a life worthy of the Lord, pleasing to Him on the basis of his wisdom and the sufficiency of Christ, then bear fruit. Bear fruit in every good work. Secondly, growing in the knowledge of God. say, well, didn't we just cover that? Kind of. But I'm going to take what Paul says. We've got to come back to it, and we've got to look at it again. Growing in God knowledge. I guess he wants to emphasize this. Growing in the knowledge of God. One commentator says, to welcome the gospel is to know God. To know God is to do His will. To do His will is to know more and more of God. That's how this works. It's a victorious cycle, not a vicious cycle. This is a victorious cycle. To know God by the gospel. To know God is to do His will. To do His will is to know God more. The spiritual rich become richer. That's how this works. As you engage in this, aim to have the mind of Christ. I'm hearing people say, God's okay with my sin. Because I feel okay about it. That's why Paul says, you need God knowledge. You you definitely need God knowledge. And understanding of God. He is not okay with your sin will never be okay with your sin. That's what he's rescued you from. That's what the dominion of darkness was all about. And you've been brought out of that realm. You've been risk, rescued from that realm and brought out of it so that you might grow more spiritually robust. There's a wonderful spiritual principle that goes in the opposite direction of our physical lives. Our physical lives are wasting away. But day by day, our spiritual is renewed if you engage in growing in the understanding of God because that's how renewal takes place, the renewing of our mind. As we continue to feast on the word of God and knowing God and obeying his will and bearing fruit in every good work, as we continue to do that, Regardless of how we are deteriorating on the outside, our spirit is being renewed. And you, we've watched this. We've watched the seasoning of saints here, those who've been promoted to glory. We've watched how they've grown. We've seen that their body's becoming weaker and more feeble, but we see that their heart is expanding for God because they know him more and they love him more And they are more connected to him. And this knowledge is an experiential knowledge. It's not just head knowledge. You have to have the head knowledge, you have to know and understand about God. But this kind of knowledge is a growing awareness of who God really is as a person and how we experience him. So, what track are you on? Thirdly, he says here, and this is critical. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Operating fully in the power of God. You were rescued by the power of God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead has raised you from being dead in your sins and brought you into a relationship with Christ, which is pictured in baptism. We die to ourselves, are buried under the water, and are raised again to new life, the power of God, to live a new life in Christ, by His power. I wish I had $5 for every counseling session that included what you are asking me or what the Word of God is asking me to do is too hard for me. That is exactly right it is too hard for you he'll say oh you know god will never give you anything that's too hard for you that's crazy he always gives me something that's too hard for me everything that he gives me is too hard for me there isn't a thing that he's given to me that isn't too hard for me this is too hard for me folks today but he has promised us that we will be strengthened with his power. with all power. You know, Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Almighty God, all the power of God is granted to you to enable you to do what he calls you to do. This salvation came to you with enduring power. When you came to know Christ, if, salvation is a Holy Spirit transaction. Salvation isn't about joining an organization, joining a church. It isn't about that. Salvation is about a Holy Spirit transaction. You formerly were dead in your sins with no resident power of the Holy Spirit. At salvation, you were granted the resident power and permanent residency of the Holy Spirit to empower you to do what you're called to do. This is granted to you. The truth of the matter is it's not too hard. It's too dependent. We don't want to depend upon God. It may be too painful. We don't want pain. It may require sacrifice. We don't want sacrifice. It's not that we don't have the power. It's that we don't want it. We don't want it alive in our lives. We don't want it to be working in our lives. And and we want tough things to just go away. Lord, I don't want to get stronger necessarily. I just want you to fix my situation. I just want you to fix my situation as fast as you can it's human nature to do that. We, we want the circumstances to change. Just please change the circumstances. But God's got us in a process. God's growing us. God's not necessarily going to remove circumstances right away or situations are going to change right away because we are being grown by God. <clears throat> How do I know that? Well, I know it throughout all the scripture, but but here's what Paul said. He says, I want you to rely on the strength of God. Notice, not so that everything will go away, but rather so that you may have great endurance and patience. Now, I, don't, I, I, would, I didn't want to read that when I was, I, I just wanted to have the power of God. And, you know, hey, you know, I can just command things through the, you know, people say, I take authority over this. What are you talking about? You don't have any authority. It's crazy stuff. God has the authority. And much of our lives, he leaves us in situations that we have to endure. He's he could exercise his power to change the circumstance or the situation, but he's using his strength here to teach us to endure. And have patience. That's where the real strength of God is demonstrated. To stay in the circumstance. To stay in the tough situation. When there are sinful choices all around that we can quickly run to and medicate ourselves on sin. No, the real power work of God is staying in. In the tough circumstance and trusting in the process that God has us on. That's what this says, doesn't it? To endure probably difficult circumstances or situations and to be patient with difficult people. As soon as we run into some difficult situation, we just we just cancel people now. We just cancel our marriage cancel our friendships, cancel our family relationships, cancel our job, cancel our boss. Yeah, that's what lost people do. But people who are living a life worthy of their rescue and pleasing God in everything, trust in His power to help us endure a difficult situation and difficult people so that he may grow us well we got to move on and in so doing joyfully giving thanks to the father (laughs) okay so he hasn't removed anything here we're enduring difficult circumstances Patiently enduring difficult people. And we're thankful about it. That's where this goes. Giving thanks to the Father. Not for the circumstances that are driving you crazy. But because you're qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints. In a kingdom of light. We live in a fallen world. There's a lot of stuff falling around us. but we can have deepening joy because we've hit the spiritual jackpot. Saved. Belonging to Christ. Shepherded by his power. The process is his agenda. He's purposeful. He's working you. He's making a tapestry out of you. Workmanship. God's workmanship. Negativity and dissatisfaction is completely incompatible with the Christian reality. Man, am I preaching to myself. Why would we think our kids would want to continue with something that makes us so miserable, we're so negative and so unhappy, or anybody else for that matter? That's why we're bleeding kids. grumbling, complaining, criticizing, dishing out spiritual sounding concerns to try and mask our jealousies, turning to sin. Christians are amassing debts of dissatisfaction, turning to porn and booze and drugs and maxing out credit cards and online fantasies, and adultery. Because in their difficult lives, in our difficult lives, we can't imagine the sufficiency of Christ. I don't know what's gripping your life, but I know that there's a lot of people in our community enslaved to sin because unlike the song we sang today Christ isn't enough for them if you are medicating yourselves on sin just get the t-shirt christ isn't enough for me because that's what it means you know, you don't know my situation i don't have to know your situation if you're medicating yourself on sin you definitely need more christ i don't need to know your situation We don't defect to sin because our situation is so bad. We have reams of testimonies of people who had really bad situations and didn't turn to sin. We turn to sin because we don't really trust Christ to help us. Somewhere along the way, he ceased to be supreme and sufficient in your life. And that's really sad. Because he's rescued us from all of these messes. So you don't have to be there anymore, you don't have to live like that. Living Christ-driven lives will rescue your family from affiliating with the realm of secular darkness. Because of two key words that Paul used here, redeemed, and forgiven Do I understand what redeemed is you're owned by the Lord he has purchased you by his own costly blood he has purchased you out of the slave market of addiction to sin he bought you out at a great price out of a life crushing mess of sin, you've been rescued to not go back, no matter what, because sin is not better than Christ. And you've been forgiven. to to leave worldly pursuits that are gateways to sin, that puts you back in the guilt cycle again. Jesus rescued you from this so you could live without guilt. He took the debt you couldn't pay, and he has rescued you from the fear of death, and you're putting yourself back in it because, beloved, if you are living in a life of slavery to sin, you have no confidence that on the day you die, you really actually belong to Jesus. You do not. You do not. There's an urgency here. You've been rescued from the dominion of darkness not to go back in there. The lineup forms quickly to be rescued from hell until pe- people discover that the line is really to be rescued from here. You have to be rescued from here first before you're going to be rescued from hell. If you're just counting on it being all right at the end while you live like hell now, it's not going to work that way. It isn't. So, all I can say, Paul's charge is pray for each other, pray for yourselves, secure your rescue. Secure your rescue. I sometimes wonder, I sometimes wonder in all of these years of ministry and dealing with people and working with people, I wonder if what explains our flirtations with the world of darkness is something to do with the fact that we, we don't really think what we've been rescued from is all that bad. It's just a little thing I got going on. We don't really think what we've been rescued from is all that bad. And we don't really think what we've been rescued to is all that good. Because I've got it good. You know, the people in Paul's day, I mean, you can't even, we can't even grasp how they were living. They were subsistent. They were living from day to day. They didn't have anything that we have. We have the, the greatest... The most wonderful things is, are the blessings that God has given to us. The worst things are the blessings that God has given to us. All of the things that we have. It's, it's like we, we, have, we get to live out heaven, sort of. Why do I care about what, what's there? Can it, is it, could it be better? In fact, I think if the people of Paul's day, were li- all of a sudden, we're thrust into here, they'd be like, hey, we've gone to heaven. So this isn't it. that's why i think in paul or when john uh, speaks of his revelation from jesus about the church of laodicea and yes that's how you pronounce it that in fact he says there you're rich wealthy and need nothing and you don't realize that you're wretched miserable poor and blind Beloved, I just have, with all that is in me, get zealous about your salvation and repent of your sin and trust in the sufficiency and supremacy of Jesus Christ for everything in your life. This is the urgency of this letter. Our Father, we pray this morning and thank you for your truth. Oh Lord, we thank you for the truth of the goodness of God, the grace of God. Your patience with us, oh God. Oh, if you treated us how our sins deserve, we would not be here. But you will not leave us wallowing around in our sinfulness. You've rescued us out of the dominion of darkness and placed us in the realm of the Son you love. Lord, create in us a new heart that is zealous for the richness of what we can have in this state of rescue, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you believe that? This is the next, the most important few minutes in your life are what you're going to do next with what you So if the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about something, whether it's greater zeal for the supremacy of Christ, or believing that the power of God can release you from the sin that's got you trapped right now because you're a believer and the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, then do something about it right now. So um, Chris, perhaps you would play quietly for the next little bit going to invite us just to leave quietly today except for those who need to do some business with the Lord. You need to just stay here. Maybe you want to stay where you are and just sit there and pray. Maybe you want to pray with us at the front. Or go and pray with the pastor Connections Room. I don't know what God wants you to do, but you do. Secure your rescue. Father, please help us, please help us to live out our lives worthy of our redemption and forgiveness, and please the Lord who gave himself for us. For Jesus' sake, I pray, amen.